0: Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we have Adele Reynaud and Ashley Grills. Adele Renault is the visionary force behind Potaloo, a trailblazing entrepreneur who began her career as a designer and later delved into manufacturing with a focus on ethical practice and sustainability. She spent over 15 years reshaping the landscape of the fashion industry. Potaloo was Adele's response to a blaring absence in the fashion landscape a lack of brands, challenging gender norms, and catering to those who live and dress outside the binary. Drawing on their extensive background, Adele embarked on a mission to redefine fashion, believing that clothing should be a tool to facilitate self-expression, not to dictate who one should be. Adele's entrepreneurial spirit garnered recognition with the top 30 under 30 award in 2015. We're also joined by Ashley Grills, Potaloo's Director of US Expansion and Strategic Partnerships. Ashley has seamlessly blended her passion for fashion, social change and strategic partnerships. A former customer of Potaloo, she's tirelessly worked to open doors for the company in the U.S. market. Her strategic acumen and relentless commitment have led to impactful conversations with major U.S. retailers, resulting in a successful partnership with Urban Outfitters. Adele and Ashley, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having us. We're delighted to have you here and to to hear your stories. Uh, What we do on the Startup Canada podcast, uh, just to get things started off, to let entrepreneurs know they're going to learn a lot by listening to this show, um, I'm asking if each of you might share just a piece of the the top advice that you hope they'll get from listening to our conversation today. Adele, why don't you go first?
1: Ooh, top advice. Uh, I would say... You have to embrace uh, the unexpected, trust in the power of collaboration, um, always work on building meaningful relationships, uh, staying adaptable, and authenticity is a powerful force.
0: Very cool. Uh, Ashley, how can, how can you top that?
2: I know, it's going to be hard. Um, I do think I'll underscore a few words that really stuck out to me that Adele mentioned, and really that is the power of Collaboration, I think, in my experience in building anything, it's impossible to do it alone. Um, identifying, you know, like the people with shared values is obviously a, a no brainer. Um, but I think equally important is recognizing the power in working with people who also have very different skill sets than you. Um, so that's that's what I'll leave you with.
0: All right, um, and speaking of relationships, uh, you guys have an intriguing relationship, Adele. Is, is in Vancouver, but from Calgary, um, and Ashley, you're in Providence, Rhode Island, so tell us a little bit about how you guys started this partnership, and then we'll get on to talk about the company.
2: Uh, this is Ashley. Adele, how far back shall we go? Should I tell my my journey as a customer first to get us to this point, or what do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, yeah, you go you go for it.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, as simple as that, really, I started as a consumer of the brand like way back. I'm going to date myself here, but I think in 2013, right when um, Potaloo came on the scene, I was lucky enough to find the brand all the way from the U- the United States. Um, and truly just, you know, I think in thinking about, you know, my experience and a lot of queer people in in particular, I think since the beginning of time have had to be a little bit scrappy and creative in a way of how they find products and communities that really speak authentically to them. Um, And I think also I've always been really drawn to and inspired by people and products that disrupt traditional spaces. So when I uh, found PDL, I immediately was like, whoa, these products are for me. I don't see them anywhere. This is amazing. Um, So I was a fan right away and and stuck with the brand as a, a consumer. Fast forward to about 2020, I think. Uh, I actually shifted my own career pretty drastically. I uh, started a consulting company and was working on a project with a women's professional hockey team. And so I, I, a thought came to mind. Uh, hockey, Canada, this brand I really love. <laughs> and I think that there's some really interesting stuff that could happen between these two entities. And I reached out uh, just in a cold email to Adele and uh, we decided, yeah, let's team up and do a collaboration. And the rest is sort of history from there. We just, I think, quickly had a kinship and we hit it off and, and realized we just work really well together. And, um, you know, I got a best friend out of the deal, too. So I'm pretty happy about it all.
0: Wow, what a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Adele, what were your thoughts when you got this letter from a, a, a stranger who was a customer?
1: Well, weirdly, she wasn't a stranger. Um, Ashley was one of our, I would, I mean, from my eyes, she was one of our cheerleaders from the beginning. Uh, she was always posting about the brand, repping the brand. Uh, and when you're kind of like a small startup, all those people in the beginning make, even though they don't know that you see, you see all of it. Um, right. So, you know, some of the pictures that she had posted on Instagram were on like my vision board. And so when she reached out, I knew exactly who she was and I was happy and excited. I think um, that's one of the, the special things that we've kind of always done with PDL is we've always looked at, um our customers is more than just customers, they're a community. Um, this, you know, this brand was built by a group of friends who need like who needed something. We all needed something that didn't exist. And so that's kind of how we look at everybody within our community. Um yeah, they don't just drive sales, they drive everything we do.
0: Yeah. And that's a really interesting um aspect of entrepreneurship and, and particularly startups. That I, I haven't really paid enough attention to the the importance of those first uh, reference customers and how much more important they are than to, you, to the to the founders than the customers probably know. So, actually, did 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 you know that, that Adele would know who you were? No, Rick. That's a, that's group. exactly
2: where my mind went. I think this is maybe is even the first time that we've like. It- like Adele said that out loud um which is it's funny to think about right there's this weird perception I think we have of like ourselves and our impact and how we contribute to anything um and no I was just doing it out of pure love and like rooting for someone that I thought was doing something really special and important and it certainly served a big role in my life and in my fashion choices so it was like I was just doing that as a a no brainer (laughs) So to hear that is kind of interesting. And actually it's a good reminder. I think that I'll continue to try and check back in with that. You really, truly don't know the impact that you're having on the other side and and vice versa. So it's, it's good to know.
0: Yeah. What a fascinating insight. Oh, right. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) You hit peak podcast in the first 10 minutes. So that's great. It's going well. Um, Adele, tell us a bit about Podaloo and tell us about, what the name means to you for those who haven't figured it out it's uh, it's wolfskin in 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 french so just tell us a little bit about your aha moment in the in the fashion industry and the motivation to start pdl
1: uh, totally um fast forward i don't know 10 years ago now feels like a lifetime ago but uh i was working in manufacturing um i'd been doing it for quite a number of years Uh, pretty successful, I thought, in my career, Uh, but I just wasn't quite fulfilled. And when you say aha, it was actually Oprah's life class. I was watching one night. I couldn't sleep. Um, And she had all of her greats on. It was like, I don't know, one of the master classes. And the one thing they kept saying over and over was, um, you're never truly going to be happy until you're being your authentic self. And to me, that was that one like moment, like when you say aha, that was my aha moment where I was like, who am I? What am I doing? Here I am responsible for truly billions of garments every year being produced. And there's nothing out there for people like me. Um, So that kind of led me down this rabbit hole of researching, you know, at that time, the language, there was no language um and all i could find was like crude shirts and like somebody had made like a garage suit and i was like i just want clothing that i can wear um you know i'm tired of like hunting down men's clothes that doesn't fit or like the least girly item in the women's section um so i got together with a few of my friends i made some connections with the factories i had been working with started collecting some scrap fabrics um, built what I deemed was the perfect shirt for me, um, and a group of my friends. And it turned out that it was a lot more, there was a lot more people out there that needed this product. Um, and the rest is sort of history.
0: For those who are fashion ignorant, such as myself, can you describe what, what, what was, what was the perfect shirt for you? What made it different?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, am, I was born female. Uh, some people might refer to it as like I was, grew up as a tomboy. Um, for whatever reason, I just never really felt like I fit in. Um, when I was younger, I liked to wear boys clothes. As I got older, those boys clothes didn't really work anymore. Um, so I like to be a little bit more masculine presenting. Um, Traditionally, women's clothing is meant to like hug all your curves and show your body. That is the opposite of what I want to do. But I also don't want to wear a potato sack. Um, so what we did was we created a fit system that sort of fits your shoulders, um, but then falls on your hips without accentuating them.
0: Wow, that's cool. So so what what's the meaning of the, the name Podaloo?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean uh growing up I'm French Canadian my grandmother was a big huge important part of my life um she was I think one of those people I don't know if maybe we all have one um who just saw me for who I was um she passed away how old was I I think I was like 22 years old and I don't know I always wanted to do something to honor her and so when I came up with uh, the concept. I toyed around with a whole bunch of different names. And I kind of landed on Potaloo because it was sort of like a play on the old wives' tale of like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, and then also sort of gave a nod to like my French-Canadian heritage and my mémire who, yeah, who sort of kind of gave me the courage to do all the things that I do. So.
0: Wow, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Ashley, you were first a customer, and now you're you're involved in pushing the, 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 the U.S. expansion. Let's go back to when you were a customer. How did you find the brand?
2: Great question. Um, so from what I can remember, because it was, again, quite a while ago, I think in 2013, um, I believe I saw a press release on the Internet, and this really eye-catching campaign popped up. And at the time, it was um, this collaboration between a brand called Wild Fang and this Canadian brand that I had never heard of called Podoloo. And essentially, the campaign was like really edgy. It was, I think, a series of maybe eight button-down shirts. And there was a lot of language being used, like Tomboy, again, kind of dated now to, to how we're looking at language very differently. But at the time, that's sort of where we were In society and as a culture. And I saw myself in this campaign. I saw these sort of queer tastemakers and big people in queer culture, um, like celebrity status, wearing these shirts. And I just saw this really brave, cool product that I wanted to know more about. Um, So yeah, I mean, a really creative marketing campaign got me, to be quite honest. And it was cool. I felt like I had sort of landed in this special world that didn't exist. That, you know, for once I was sort of, I felt seen in the retail market. Um, I felt a part of something. So, yeah, it was pretty monumental. And then from there, I just, you know, thankfully social media had, you know, had a little bit of a presence. Not like what we see today, but there was an Instagram account and and really started to you know, become a pretty avid shopper with PDL from the United States and you know, really was like Adele kind of alluded to earlier, um, you know, it was fun to participate in the social media culture and the community that they were building there.
0: Right. Ashley, as 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 you um helped build out the business in the United States, um you must have gotten pretty good at explaining, you know, who the line is for and what's in the line. So um, can you give me your spiel about what the line represents and you know, I don't know, describe some of the products for me.
2: Yeah, totally. You know, I think this is the easiest job I've ever had. I'll start there because when you really not not this, you know, here podcasting. This is this is for really special people and we're just lucky to be here. <laughs> um no i mean if you really believe in something and you actually participate in something and then you're lucky enough to have it be a portion of your job it's um i feel like it's the best thing that can happen um so this brand i mean i think that there's a lot of a lot of things you could say about pdl i think in its simplest form it is creating a product that doesn't necessarily exist I think for so long if you look at the way the retail landscape um, is we've had a men's section and a women's section and very specific um, design and color and fabrics and the way we think about gendering those clothing um, it's been how we've done things for a really long time and that might not be the options that consumers want or what they feel good in so this product truly at its core is looking at changing the fit of clothing. So you have an option um, of something that I think people have wanted for so long, right? You go in the men's section and you're really excited and you think this outfit is going to look great on you and you try it on. And it, it just doesn't match up to what you think it's going to look like. And that's really, really frustrating. Um, but there are still elements of you know that clothing that a lot of people like. And so it's giving people optionality. And I think the biggest gift that PDL gives folks is like, it's not telling you how you should be. It's giving you something that I think people have been asking for, for
0: a long time. Um, okay. Someone tell me a little bit about the, the collection and what it ranges from. Is it just shirts? Or do you move into other areas? Is it growing? Have you been cutting anything back? Yeah. Tell us about the evolution of the product line.
1: Yeah. We started with um, just button ups. Uh, again, that was sort of, when, when I started with that first product, um, the real reason was, I mean, that was the fabrics that I had access to in, in larger amounts. Um, because when I started, I, I kind of made the silly vow, but uh, I only wanted to use upcycled fabrics. So I would only build collections based off of the fabrics that I found available, upcycled dead stock um, from all these different mills. Uh, people told me I was crazy. And still to this day, we're doing it. Uh, Sorry,
0: so so this is like leftover stock from yeah, the mills?
1: Yeah, exactly. So we work with a number of mills um, pretty much all over the world. Uh, and whenever they have dead stock or fabrics that didn't go to use, or maybe they were canceled by a customer, um, I'll get a little picture of what that fabric is. And then I'll decide, yeah, I'll take it. Um, and then I sort of, that kind of, guides me to what i design and what we make um
0: and was this a a, was this a a decision because you wanted to get cheaper stock or because you you had a commitment to sustainability
1: i think it was a whole host of reasons um in my early on design career like i worked with a company called blue sign so i worked on like I, i kind of saw a lot of the the good the bad and the ugly in the fashion industry so Um, sustainability and like doing things differently has always kind of been a part of me. Um, and then on top of that, I knew that as a growing business, like I couldn't meet the factory minimums that I would have to in order to build this business and build that community. So it also allowed me to carry, you know, I knew that if I created this shirt and I could offer it in, you know, 50 different fabrics. This consumer, which was myself, I would buy all 50 shirts, but if I could only have, you know, a thousand pieces of one color of shirt, well, I'm only going to be able to buy one of those shirts. So it was, it was, it was a mixture of a whole host of things. And the reason why I did it, um,
0: operational, ethical, and strategic. I love it.
1: Yeah, there you go. Uh so so that was kind of the the motivation at the beginning and then uh we did shirts for a number of years and every year I would ask customers like we would do a poll and just say like hey what are you looking for you know and sometimes it would be a different style of shirt or a different fabric of shirt and then they would ask for like you know usually be like one or two items that would kind of be obvious um and then in 2021 we put out the same poll that we always do and something had shifted in the market where like it was everything and anything you could imagine was on this list. It was like, you know, outdoor rain gear, pants, jackets, suiting, shirts, socks, underwear. It was the, everybody was asking for everything. And so that sort of shifted when we turned from just being sort of like a one or two skew you, uh, one or two skew, um, operation to like actually building out, Full collections. Um, so now we carry everything from, like I said, underwear, t-shirts, uh, um, pants, a whole, and again, it's all made with upcycled fabric. So lots of different options within each style of pant, jackets, um, and we just keep growing that.
0: Fabulous. Where do you think you are in the sort of stage of the company? Are you, do you still think of yourself as a scrappy startup or are you sort of a legitimate? small player in the industry are you still a force for uh, innovation and uh, and and filling in the gaps where other people don't go
1: absolutely um i think one of the things with the brand and i've really like tried to do this since the beginning is I, I never really wanted to change our business model to be um not necessarily like a money maker money wasn't our first isn't our first thing which i know sounds weird for for a business and Um, but I didn't weird for an entrepreneur. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I, I, we have, I have other businesses that help generate revenue that keep us afloat. Um, it really, truly, because I don't want to change what we do. I've watched a number of brands that kind of started when I started, um, and have shifted their models, um, just to sort of cater to the market and get that, those quick dollars. And, um, that hasn't really truly, that's not what I want. Um, so with Ashley on board, we've been really strategic about, um, trying to educate retailers and trying to open up that space because it's a huge component in fashion, um, in fashion business. And like, in order for us to like break beyond the D to C business, We couldn't necessarily go to a brick and mortar strategy because there's not, our customers aren't filling up malls and, you know, it's, that's not the way it works. Um, but they're out there and if they know that you're there, they will come. Um, so like our strategy has really truly been just trying to educate retailers, get them to like invest in, in this, in this group, invest in, in this space, um, which I think Ashley can kind of talk a little bit more on um, how we're trying to approach it.
2: I can add to that. I think the education piece is an interesting one. And I think we have a rare advantage as a small company to work within these bigger entities and almost um, act as sure we can, you know, one goal is to have our product in these retail stores because we agree that this is the future of the fashion landscape and, and no doubt this sort of new category that exists somewhere in the in-between is going to grow and scale because consumers are changing. Um, the reality is, is like that section isn't in a place where those companies know how to merchandise it yet, meaning like it needs to take time. Um, but what we can do is be partners in that growth We know this market inside and out. We know this consumer. Like We have a business case to prove the demand here. And and we really know how to authentically cater to this consumer. And so I think that's a huge advantage for retailers to work side by side with us, um, to think about how they can put resources towards this and how they can grow in a way that also feels um, authentic and organic and comfortable for them. And so we see it as a win-win right we can take our knowledge and and work side by side with folks that are willing to uh, put in the time and put in the resources because they they believe in and care about this growth
0: yeah thank you both Um, can i ask what the balance is now in terms of uh, the revenue you get from your 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 website at potaloo.com and from uh, outside retailers, is that a number you can share with us? It'll just be you and me, and
1: yeah, you know, it's one thousand listeners. It's a small percentage right now. Like the bulk of our business is still our e-commerce. Like truly, I mean, what we've built on our e-commerce site is pretty. I think it's pretty amazing. Um, our customer base is eighty plus return percent. So truly our business is built on a lot of the same people that know our brand and continually buy. Um, Like our biggest challenge is truly like how much do we allocate to marketing? Where does that marketing budget go? How do we, how do we educate the people that are out there? Like every day they're like, Ashley can attest to this. We get new people that find us that have never heard of us. And we like, it's game changer. So it's really truly as like, like when you say, are we still a scrappy startup? Like, yeah, like we're still growing right now. We, we operate based off of those consumers that need us. Um, But like, we truly want to get more eyeballs. We truly want, cause I know there's way more people out there that need the product that we build. Um And I think that's kind of like the missing piece and why we're trying to, like, I mean, we're we're having these meetings with retailers and like why we're trying to push so hard and why we're trying to educate is that the consumers there, they just need to know that we're there, too. Um, that we see them, that we build products for them. Um, and because there's not that many of us, like it's just it's it's, it's difficult.
0: Ashley, can I ask you about... Uh... Your experience, you're the one leading the charge and in, 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 into retail. Um, we mentioned Urban Outfitters as a success story. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And what are some of the things you're hearing from the other retailers who haven't said yes yet?
2: Yeah, certainly. So I think at this point, you know, we've sort of touched on in its current state, a lot of these large retail companies, there just aren't enough brands or there aren't enough products really to merchandise effectively and that's kind of what we're running into as an issue it's not that i I don't think people don't see the value or want our products and certainly that's our goal to get to that that phase where you know we are we have a lot of different wholesale partners Um, and so i think we're thinking a little bit more outside of the box right now i think i try to when i'm thinking about pdl and we're working with these large retailers First and foremost, we're like, how are we building authentic partnerships and authentic collaborations? Not just for the sake of like having somebody buy into your product wholesale and then have it sit on the shelves. Like, that doesn't do us any good. So, with Urban Outfitters, that has been a really special partnership because they have some amazing people inside the organization that are really focused on improving this gender free space. And so, we've found a really cool system where we can sort of build collaborations around really important causes and team up with really amazing organizations and people to do so. So we see it as almost a trifecta. We get to retail this really awesome collection that tells a cool story and highlights um, really interesting spaces. For instance, we worked with a, uh, a skateboarding organization called Skate Like a Girl and their whole purpose for, you know, for their organization is creating space for female and non-binary and trans skateboarders, which are very underrepresented. And we thought, hey, this is really cool. We're not a skateboard brand, but we make really functional, awesome clothing, and we can kind of tell our stories in concert. And, um, you know, better yet, we can retail this really cool collection at Urban Outfitters and celebrate the, the work that Skate Like a Girl does. And um, we can donate some money to their cause, so we see it as a win-win-win. And I think first and foremost, that is how we, as of now, are approaching some of these retail partnerships. We want to see some impact um, rather than just getting our product in the doors.
0: The the people who haven't said yes yet, because um, there's no such thing as a no to a good salesperson. Um, <laughs> w- w- what are they telling you? What, what what keeps them from doing business with you?
2: Yeah. It's, it's certainly, it's not the, I know that there's a willingness, you know what it comes down to and it's, it's resources and it's, it's, it's a top-down problem, top-down um, issue. We really, really need leadership who is setting strategic goals and priorities to believe in this space and to understand that this is actually the future of retail and it is a good business decision. So when we're hearing no's, it's really kind of like those companies that just aren't prioritizing that. And and honestly, that's just not a good fit at this time. I think that there are ways you can convince people and we will keep coming back and it might be next year and, and maybe there's new leadership that comes in that is thinking about things a little bit differently. But I think our approach is doing a ton of behind the scenes research and paying attention and um, recognizing brands and companies that are exploring this space um in a more aligned way and then you're already sort of halfway there and then it's just kind of figuring out how you can plug in together um, to move an effort forward in one way or another
0: and as far as urban outfitters go um tell us what it's like you know working with a big customer like that and and are there any challenges that you've encountered in 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 trying to keep them you know fulfilled and happy question for either
1: yeah they're fabulous they've
2: been really yeah again back to that if you find good partners where there's like alignment um really we're kind of in lockstep with them i think we have a really wonderful internal advocate um for the brand and, and who really understands what we're doing and is really open to even hearing our our input and our feedback um, down to, you know, how we prefer uh, photography to look and what models our clothing are on and what language we use. Uh, They're being really mindful about making sure we can drive that. I think,
1: I think it's like, I think it's hard to, for a re from a retail standpoint, like going back to Ashley's comment about merchandising um, because this sector is still growing, and it's so small, and nobody really knows what to do with it. It makes it confusing for the customer as well. Like, somebody like Urban Outfitters, you know, I think they've, they've been a really great partner, because they've tried a whole bunch of different things from like merchandising it with the men's section to merchandising it with the women's section to now, I think hopefully at this time, we're at a place where they will have something for the in between. And I think, until it's kind of like a chicken before the egg sort of thing where like the customer if they don't know that you're there and you're for them isn't going to come and they're not going to look for that product so it's like but the brand itself has to or the the companies like an urban outfitter has to invest in the product and has to invest in the marketing behind it and has to sort of change their whole model to eventually let the customer know that they're there and be consistent it's not just a once a year thing at June like you know every year everybody does it the rainbow t-shirts come out um it's something it's something bigger than that um and I think Urban Outfitters has been doing a really fabulous job at getting getting it there um and I hope I hope that in the next like foreseeable future it a bunch of other retailers can actually kind of step on board as well and do it in that way.
0: We've seen large brands such as Roots offering gender-neutral collections. What happens when, you know, these large established players participate in selling gender-neutral clothing? Is it helpful or do you think they should step back and let the leaders lead?
1: I I don't think it's about stepping back. I think it's about doing it in an authentic and real way. Uh, making a men's hoodie and calling it unisex is not unisex. It's just selling more men's hoodies. Um, and I think that like going back to what I said when I was like, we don't, our business isn't built necessarily for profit. Um, there's been a lot of times in, in decisions that I've had to make over the years where like, hey, I could make my product fit a little bit differently and I could Cater to a little bit more men stuff, or I can make my product fit a little bit more uh, slimmer, and it could cater to a little bit more of the women. And it, it sort of takes our pie and makes it bigger, and it could be a, a bigger business. But I, I, I've chosen not to do that for the purpose of our customer, and I think that's where a lot of these big companies have sort of are are sort of missing the plot. It's like they're doing it as like a marketing thing rather than an authentic product. Um, and if they really truly want to do it in the right way, it's hiring people from our community. It's it's involving people that are that need this product. Um, it's getting them in in the background and leading you know the design teams um, and the buying decisions that they're making. So it's not about them stepping back. I I, I want them to continue. I want this industry to grow. Like not just for for me but for everybody out there who's like me you know like the the little kid in us that so desperately just wanted to be seen in the retail landscape that still exists and we're 2023 going into 2024 it's kind of maddening so i want them to do it i just want them to do it in the right way and right now they're not doing that so
0: yeah let's just look to the future as we sort of wind up here what's coming up next for Potaloo?
1: Well, we have uh,
2: another really exciting collaboration with our pals at Urban Outfitters, um, and we will be, I don't know if I should give away the whole story. What the you whole think story. <laughs> I think I can, well, it's it has some awesome Canadian ties that I think a lot of people will be excited about. So we are teaming up with um, Canadian musicians, Tegan and Sarah, to support their foundation so, work. And. We're going to take some inspiration from their creative brains to influence a new collection that will retail um, even more widely at several uh, Urban Outfitter stores this summer.
0: Tegan and Sarah have been around for a long time. Is this the first time they've done a, a this sort of a partnership?
1: Uh, I think they've been involved with, uh, I mean, they're huge supporters of the community and have done a lot of work. Um I don't know if they've done anything this involved before. Uh, it, with with us, we're really, truly trying to give them creative freedom. And again, like going back to for the consumer, it's like we're constantly asking, like, what are you missing? When you go into the men's section, what do you want to buy and doesn't fit you? Let's make it. Um, and that's sort of how we're approaching this collaboration is what do you guys want? <laughs> what have you been looking for? Let's make it. Uh, yeah
2: yeah and kind of I think they do such a beautiful job beyond their music of uh, storytelling and, and bringing their own experience into their work, whether it be in their TV show or their books or their music and it got us really thinking about the younger versions of us as well when we would go into urban outfitters stores and go right to the men's section and things didn't quite fit you know the way that we had hoped and so how cool is that that we can play just a small role in you know, getting product on the shelves that is going to give somebody else a different experience Um, in, you know, in teaming up with artists that we grew up with, essentially.
0: Yeah, fabulous. Okay, last word to each of you. Do you have any final new piece of advice for founders in the creative space or e-commerce? And so that's sort of the general question to you, Adele, and then for Ashley, Why don't you go first and give us a little bit of advice for Canadian entrepreneurs trying to make it in the USA?
2: um, Stop being so humble, you all. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, there's plenty of space here. Come on, come in. And hey, no, in all seriousness, I think if you're thinking about creating a new lane for something or a new product that can solve a problem, other people are probably most likely thinking of it too.
1: So I say go for it
0: go for it. Great. Thank you. Adele, you get the last word.
1: Oh goodness. What's my last word going to be? Be authentic, be adaptable and just do it.
0: (laughs) All right. Go for it and do it. Sounds like you guys are very well aligned, excellent partners. So so congratulations on that because I think this sounds like a, a partnership that can really get something done.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. (laughs)
0: Appreciate it. We've been talking with Adele Raynaud and Ashley Grills of Podaloo. Check it out at podaloo.com. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.